Welcome to Business Scale Insights with Kimberly Marie Bonner. Listen for commentary, interviews, and information on how to grow your business. For all the details, contact BusinessScaleInsightsNetwork.com. So, Empire Builders, are you ready? Here's Kimberly Marie Bonner. Hello and welcome, Empire Builders, to another episode of Business Scale Insights. This is your host, Kimberly Bonner, and we are continuing on our series discussing all things branding and brand development. And I have with me on this episode, Josh Gerben of the Gerben Law Firm. Thank you so much, Josh, for joining us today. Thank you, Kimberly, for having me. Absolutely. Now, before we go into a deep dive, Josh, I just kind of want to remind our listeners uh, and also kind of uh, get affiliated, those who are just joining this entire series, about why I wanted to focus on branding and brand development this month. And the number one reason is when people talk to me about scaling a business, one of the things that goes probably not thought of very well and not really nuanced, not strategically thinking is the brand. And uh, that includes the trademark. That includes the name. Um, Branding is more than that, but it certainly includes that. And so to develop a a great business that lasts, you don't want to be generic. You've got to have some kind of unique distinguishing identifier in a very competitive marketplace because if you don't it's going to be really really hard for people to choose you and transact with you and so branding you know generally is thought of as a name a term a sign a symbol that identifies a seller or maker of a product or service in the marketplace but it's more than that it's again definitely a differentiator uh it's also got uh issues related to kind of values and identity and and all kinds of emotional kind of triggers that are associated with branding. But I wanted to focus in this series on brand because I see so many small businesses just forgetting how foundational this is. So I've got Josh of the Gerben Law Firm because he focuses on everything related to trademarks. And trademarks are a critical piece to the whole brand development and enforcement and licensing opportunities. So I want you, Josh, to kind of share with the listening audience. I know you're based in the Washington, D.C. area, but we are in South Florida. Uh, Many of our listeners might not be affiliated with you uh, and the work that you do at your law firm. So can you just share more about you and your work with the listening audience? Absolutely, and thank you again for having me. I should mention I did my first year of law school down at the University of Miami, so very familiar with the South Florida area and uh, a lot of local businesses down there. Um, I started my law firm, my Gerben Law Firm, in 2008 uh, with the idea that we're going to focus on on trademark law. Um, At the time, you had sort of the self-help online services, uh, such as like LegalZoom that were out there, and then you had the larger law firms that were pretty expensive and, and sort of out of the range of small to mid-sized businesses to use for, for branding and trademark-related services. So we kind of thought, well, if we could start a, a firm that was uh, more moderately priced but still providing you know, high-level expertise, that, that would be a good sort of middle ground uh, for what seemed to be a, a missing part of the legal market there. 
And, and since then, uh, since 2008, uh, we've worked predominantly with small and mid-sized businesses in clearing and registering trademarks. Um, at this stage, we've done, uh, we've obtained uh, five, more than 5,000 trademarks for our clients over the last decade. Congratulations. And, uh, you know, That's to, wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, we're very proud of that. We're proud of all the businesses that we've helped protect and, and, and have grown and uh, under our, um, uh, you know, grown along with us essentially the last 10 years. And it's been a fun ride. Wonderful. So, you know, I get asked this a lot, and I want you as the expert uh, to tell our listening audience what exactly is a trademark and why are trademarks important? Sure. So a trademark can be a number of things. Uh, Typically, it's your name. uh, It's a slogan. It's a logo. Uh, but trademarks can also be things like product packaging, which would be called trade dress, uh, you know, the look and feel of your product packaging, or the look and feel of a store, that when you walk into it, you know, oh, I'm in this store because of the look and feel in the store. That could be registered. That actual look and feel can be registered as a trademark. Uh, but typically, for most small business owners, the number one place to start is going to be the name of the company, the product, or the service. Uh, because that's obviously how you're going to market. That's how everybody's going to know you. That's how people are going to Google you and look you up. Um, that typically is where we start with most small businesses. Now, again, some people, and we've talked about this off air, some people are in business for years, years, Josh, and they don't think about uh, registering their trademark. Um, You know, why, why is registering your trademark very important if you are a small business owner? Yeah, absolutely. So a couple of reasons, um, especially if you're just starting out and you haven't yet launched. So if you haven't purchased signs for your location, if you haven't ordered products and have products sitting on your shelf and labeling, is the first part of the trademark registration process is doing a proper trademark search to ensure that there's not a same or similar trademark already in use. And especially, you know, in the age of Amazon and in the age of just you know, the amount of small businesses that have started in the last 10 or 20 years, it's a much more crowded marketplace. And there could be names out there that are similar to yours, uh, may not be exact, but similar enough to cause a trademark problem at some point in the future. So if you just sort of go blindly into selecting a name and never looking and doing a clearance search for it, uh, you could wind up in a year or two in a trademark infringement lawsuit in a worst case scenario, which ends up with you having to change your name. So by starting your business and conducting a, tre- a clearance search around your name, you help to ensure that you're not going to have those types of problems later on. Now, once you know the name is clear and we can actually obtain a registration from the federal government, uh, that registration can have a lot of value. It, uh, you know, We've done uh, due diligence where clients are getting acquired, and if one of the first questions that comes up is, do you own the trademark? Absolutely. Do you own the registration? Those have value. That's a lot of what's being bought uh, in an acquisition. Absolutely. Sometimes. And people don't know that. And uh, it amazes me. I'm, I'm like, well, who are the attorneys advising people? <laughs> who are their CPAs? Uh, because uh, this this intellectual property really has tremendous value, to your point, if there's going to be a merger, an acquisition, uh, any kind of sale, if you want to have kind of uh, make derivative income from your company, your brand. I mean, it's a big freaking deal. And I have empathy for small business owners as to why this doesn't happen, though. You know, I grew up in a small business. My dad owned owned and operated, you know, from starting at one to up to 12 automotive repair centers in the Philadelphia area. Oh, wow. And never registered a trademark. Um, And 
and, and, you know, a lot of small business owners, I think, are worried that lawyers are going to charge tons and tons of money to do something, and they don't Definitely. necessarily know how to manage that or get involved with that. And then there's just sort of the unknown that you, know, you don't even know that this is something that could be or should be done. And there's not, and because many small business owners may not be starting with, you know, affording or hiring even a business attorney to help them with certain things, um, that this can be something that's missed. And, and what I always tell business owners is, look, there's people like me, there's, you know, there's other people like me out there that can do your trademark search and do the filing at what's going to be extremely affordable rate and do it well. And, and that's something that's available in today's marketplace because of the way that legal practice has changed. And, and there's a lot more um, lawyers out there that are geared toward helping businesses of this size. Absolutely. And that's one of the reasons why I definitely wanted you on the air, because I understand there is, there has been this chasm, uh, to your point, um, related to intellectual property services. I worked at a big firm in Washington, D.C., and for the longest time, that's really the that was kind of like the only game in town or a really high brow boutique firm that really wasn't accessible. So um, your point is really well taken why some many small businesses have avoided this. So I talked a little bit about branding, and it might seem obvious, um, the relationship between a trademark and a brand. How would you say, what is the relationship between a trademark and a brand? Well, really, they're one and the same. You know, typically you say, okay, you have Nike, and that's a brand, right? And Nike owns the trademark registration on the word Nike throughout the world, not only in the United States, but actually in, in a variety of different countries throughout the world. So by owning a federally registered trademark on your name, your logo, your slogan, that is owning your brand. And if you do not own your brand from a registration perspective, it's going to be extraordinary. So what we were talking about earlier, which is that, A, you're losing out on a lot of potential value in your company, but also should there be an infringement on your brand, it's going to be extremely difficult to deal with it without the registration rights uh, that come with, especially in the United States, a federal trademark registration. Absolutely. Spoken like a true lawyer. If I asked <laughs> if I asked an advertising or marketing executive, they would give a completely different, <laughs> they would give a bit of a more kind of an emotional, touchy-feely kind of approach to brand development. So, um, but I kind of expected that um, trademark and brand are the same. Um, so how do I, if, if I'm, I'm listening to you, Josh, and I'm totally convinced this is something that I need to do, how do I obtain that trademark? What, I know you talked about the search um, process. That's the first part of that process. Um, can you walk the listening audience through everything? Absolutely. So um, the first step, like we mentioned, is making sure you do a proper trademark search. And I, I'll underline the word proper there, because in today's world, you can go online and you can get on the United States Patent and Trademark Office's website and do a search right there. You can. There's even private websites that say, oh, you can do a trademark search for free here. And those are very limited searches that are looking for, typically looking for very exact matches to your trademark. And but that's not what typically trips people up. It's the same, it's a similar trademark to yours that could be a problem. So a phonetically similar mark, something that's spelled a little differently. So you don't have to come and hire me, but I just strongly recommend that you look for professional advice around the trademark search because they're not all created equal. Let's pump the brakes there because okay. you just went over a whole lot of people's heads. Um, phonetically similar. So can you give some concrete examples so people can appreciate the issue? Absolutely. Uh, I'll go back. I'll use my dad as an example. Um, 
So he currently runs uh, – now he runs th- three automotive repair centers in the Philadelphia area. And the name of the, uh, the, the shop is Tires Etc. And Etc. is just ETC period, right? And so if somebody were to go on to the USPTO website and let's say they wanted to call their shop Tires Etc. but spelling out the entire word Etc. And they did a search for that. In all likelihood, his registered trademark, which we got for him, which is Tires ETC, is not going to show up in that search okay. because the software just is not smart enough to find that. Right. So you may go open your Tires Etc. full name spelled out and go on for a year or two and then come under my monitoring and I say, hey, they're operating you know, with a trademark that's phonetically similar to ours and therefore they're in violation of my dad's trademark. And, and that would be you know, a pretty open and shut trademark case. Right. And that's where I think a lot of folks, you know, get confused because first off they think, oh, well, nothing came up in the search, so it must be okay. Or even if somebody finds the tire's ETC mark, they think, well, if I spell it out, then I'll be okay because that's far enough away. Right. I'm, and that's I'm, where – sorry, go ahead. Okay. I'm going to have to jump in here because we have to take a break. But I do want you to finish this whole <laughs> discussion after the break, Okay. And we are back. Welcome back, folks, to Business Scale Insights. This is your host, Kimberly Marie Bonner, and I'm with Josh Gerben, who is an attorney in the Washington, D.C. Uh, area who specializes in trademarks. And before we went to the break, Josh, are you still there? I am. Um, you were talking about some kind of some tricky situations when it comes to trademarks and um, phonetically phonetic distinctions with trademarks. And I wanted you to go back to that example and kind of um, uh, conclude it for the listening audience. Sure. So essentially what we're talking about is ensuring that you do a proper trademark search before you settle on a name and move into the process of applying for that federal trademark registration. And the point is, is that if you had a tire shop, right, which is the example we're going on, which is spelled tires, et cetera, ETC for short, and that was the name of the shop, tires, ETC, if somebody came along and tried to file for or use the trademark tires, et cetera, fully spelled out, that would be then infringing on the tires ETC mark. And that is something that, in, a, in that small example, may seem relatively obvious, but when you apply it to individual situations, can get a little confusing as to whether or not something is too close to an existing trademark. And that's, that is a call that even attorneys will have differing opinions on, right? And, and, that's, and so it becomes very something that where it seems self-serving for an attorney to come on here and say, hey, you should hire a, a law firm to conduct a trademark search for you. The point is simply that it's very challenging to sometimes determine whether or not the trademark you have selected is actually legally clear to use and register, and getting a professional opinion on that can be very valuable. Absolutely. Okay, so after we've got the search, then what happens next? Sure. So after you've got the search done, you feel pretty good about your trademark. That's when you would go to the United States Patent and Trademark Office and file a federal trademark application. And in the application, you'll typically you know, you list the owner of the trademark, what the trademark is, you know, and what the trademark will be for. So whether it's going to be for an automotive repair center, a frozen yogurt shop, uh, you know, a clothing boutique, you're going to you're going to explain to the government what the what the trademark is for, and then you'll submit the application. It takes four months, okay, four months from the day you file to the day you even get a response back from the government as to whether or not there's any issues with the application. 
So during that initial period, it's just you have no idea what the government's going to say, and you have to wait. There's not even an expedited fee you can pay for. Mm-hmm. Um, once you would get that report back in four months, if everything checks out and there's no issues, the next stage is that the trademark application goes for a, win- a 30-day window when any member of the public or another company could oppose the application. So if someone thinks they're going to be harmed by the registration of your trademark for one reason or another, they can file a formal opposition with the government at that point in time. If you get no opposition, which they are on the rarer side, if you get no opposition, then the mark would move to get registered as soon as you can prove that you were offering your goods or services in the marketplace. So actually proving that you're offering all the goods and services you've listed in a trademark application is a requirement before a trademark can be registered. And as soon as you can do that at that stage in the process, the government will issue a registration certificate and you're all set at that point. Wonderful. Now, how long do these last? these trademarks last? Sure. So the trademark theoretically can last indefinitely as long as you're using it. So it is a use it or lose it type of system uh, in the sense that if you were to shut the business down or stop you know, offering a product under that particular name, you would lose the registration rights. Um, you do have to file a renewal to keep the registration active. And that renewal, the first one is typically due five years after the mark is registered. And then there's another one due five years later. And then it goes on an every 10-year schedule. So they're very infrequent as far as the renewals are concerned. And it's an interesting point because a lot of people miss them because they're so infrequent. And it's something that you really have to make sure you're keeping on top of in your organization if you do own registered trademarks because you want to make sure you keep up with those renewals. Awesome. So it's true what people kind of say, that trademarks are forever if you're doing your renewals properly. Well, let's talk about, okay, now I have this wonderful uh, trademark. I've done everything that you've told me to do. And I find out that someone in uh, Poughkeepsie is using a very similar name and they're making a lot of money online. And I'm angry because when people are looking for for my, I don't know, the shoes that I sell, they see this this store in Poughkeepsie and it pisses me off. And I call you up, Josh. What are you going to do about my trademark? There's all this confusion. They're giving out an inferior product. What are we going to do, Josh? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, before you even call me or call an a lot of people will have the knee-jerk reaction to reach out to the infringer themselves. And because of that, because it is a, it, it is a hot button issue. People yes, get very mad about it. it. Is. And I understand that. I understand that. Believe it or not, as a, even as an intellectual property counsel, I've, uh, I've had other people copy things of mine and, and it's made me upset, but I've taken my own advice. Cool down. <laughs> do not call, do not call the infringer or do not attempt to email them, you know, which is worse because you're creating a, a written, you know, a document for yes. the record because it's it's not it's certainly not a criminal case, but anything that you do say or do put in writing can come up in any litigation that goes goes forward. So you want to be very careful about that. There's also the potential trap that if for some reason this person you think is infringing on your trademark happened to actually been using the trademark in the marketplace before you filed for your federal application and before you actually started using the trademark yourself, they might have senior rights over you and can turn the tables around and try to cancel a federal trademark registration that you have. So you want to be wow. careful in an enforcement yeah. right context that you're not just shooting yourself in the foot. Exactly. And that's where, you know, taking a breath, getting some legal counseling about, okay, is enforcement appropriate here? And if so, you know, typically the first thing your lawyer will recommend is sending a letter to notify the other party that there's a concern. There are, you know, there are certainly um, folks out there that when they get a demand letter, like a cease and desist letter, 
will be nervous about that themselves and will reach back out and try to work with you to resolve the issue. And then there's you know people that will get letters like that and just ignore them and hope the problem goes away. And um, you know at that point in today's world, one of the best tools that you'll have available is if that infringer is selling their product on a platform like an Amazon, a Facebook, you know, using your trademark on Google Ads, you can, if you have a federal registration, you can go to these platforms and ask that the infringing material be removed. And a lot of times you will get the appropriate response and get the material taken down. That only will happen, though, with a federal trademark registration, which is another benefit and value of actually owning the registration um, and having done it before there's a problem. You know, we get a lot of times we'll get a call from someone who says, oh, I've, had, I've been using this for two years and now there's somebody else and it's going to take us eight months to get the mark registered. So it kind of ties our hands legally from being able to take a lot of really effective action without actually already having that registration in place. Absolutely. I can't emphasize it enough. Um, again, when people come to me and they want to scale their business, particularly through franchising, when you think of franchising, it's all about the brand. People are pertinent. One of the main reasons why people are investing in your franchise system is because there's a brand value um, that you have created in the marketplace. And if there's no protection of that name, um, it's going to be very difficult to convince people to spend hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, investing in your franchise system. And the name hasn't been protected. And to the point of enforcement, Josh, you know, there are, you know, 5,000 other ice cream shops with this with a similar name. You know what I mean? Uh, and I'm s somewhat exaggerating, but it happens. I mean, it happens a lot. And so it's one of the reasons why I'm excited when I deal with a, a company that has an unusual name, like the Amazons of the world or the Googles of the world or the Bings, right, Josh? Because they are unusual and unique for a reason, right? They are, go ahead. Oh, no, absolutely. And, you know, we one of the things we see is that folks in a particular industry all tend to gravitate around the same type of word. So yes. if it's a, a brand of dietary supplements, they're all around this. You know, if it's a frozen yogurt shop. So you, you see that people in, in industries tend to gather around certain words. So yes. one of the pieces of advice I give to clients who come to me and, you know, some sometimes one of the problems we run into is we run a search and we do find a problem. And, and, then, and then the client can be exasperated saying, well, you know, I feel like there's no good names out there in today's world. Everything must already be taken, you know, because there's more taken today than there was in the 1980s. That's just a fact. But there's still really good names available, especially if you reach outside your industry for words that aren't commonly used in your industry. Because so many people just stick with the same words over and over again in names and things like this that you find that if you actually go outside that bubble that you're operating in or the bubble that your industry is uh, and the language you typically see, you can actually find a lot of really neat names. I, I completely agree. And I hope this is food for thought and it gets people's creative juices flowing. Um, because w w what is sad, though, is when you see a business that's been in business for a while and they've kind of stuck to kind of a tried and true, very descriptive name, Josh, and then they want to do something grand and then there's all this confusion out there in the marketplace or someone else has um, the trademark and then they have to literally rebrand and they've been in existence for a long time. Um, and it's sad. It's heartbreaking because that's a really expensive endeavor, don't you think? I mean, I it's been my experience, experience that rebranding is far more expensive than branding. Would you, wouldn't you agree? Oh, absolutely, because not only are you having to change out signage <laughs> and marketing materials, 
you've lost all that brand equity you've built for 20 years. Exactly. Right? All that reputation that's built into your name can just go out the window just like that if you have to do a complete rebrand. And, and, and especially like you just mentioned, if people are trying to buy into a franchise or buying into the brand, and if you're just starting fresh with that, <laughs> the value of that franchise Very is low. what they're going to be willing to pay. Exactly. Very low. Well, I'm running out of time, Josh, uh, but I want people to, if they've heard wonderful things about you and they're probably thinking, how can I work with you? I don't live in the Washington, D.C. area. You work with clients all over the U.S., right? Yeah, as a matter of fact, we've worked with clients in all 50 states and from about 25 countries around the world. Awesome. So it's yeah, that's the nice thing about our practice is we get a very diverse group of clients. And how can uh, they but, touch, reach out and uh, get in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely. So all you'd have to do is go to our website, which is gerbenlaw.com. That's G-E-R-B-E-N-L-A-W.com. And if you submit a contact form on our contact page, we'll, uh, it comes right to me. I'd be happy to, you know, you provide calls. We, we do complimentary consultations and, and see if we can help folks out. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Josh, for all of this great information. And I hope you guys reach out to him. He's a great attorney. And that's it. So here's to your success. Take care. Thank you, Kimberly. Thank you. You have been listening to Business Scale Insights with Kimberly Marie Bonner. To get her personal attention to you and your empire, go to BusinessScaleInsightsNetwork.com. That's BusinessScaleInsightsNetwork.com. And tune in again next week for more from Kimberly Marie Bonner with Business Scale Insights.